0: Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, or whatever time you're Good listening time on. Listening. Yeah, for yeah. us, it's it's about noon, a little before noon. Uh, but man, we we had a really great uh, deep dive last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was unbelievable. Which was awesome for the people in the room, including uh, <laughs> myself, Alex Seekins, and Ryan Romeo, and David Stockton. Uh, but Who? we had a bit of an audio mishap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so unfortunately, by mishap, uh, we mean it didn't it happen. Complete fail for some mysterious (laughs) reason that we still don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So none of the audio recorded, so we didn't have anything for the podcast, but we really wanted to kind of visit, revisit those conversations and the things that we were talking about because Mm -hmm. as valuable as that was for the people in the room, we know that these deep dives, um, really there's a lot more people listening to it in podcast format than who are showing up on Wednesday evening. So we felt like it would be a huge loss. Yeah. If we had nothing. So here we are, kind of take two, which secretly is kind of take three, because okay. we always prime those deep dives with a bit of a conversation. This would be the about, best one, too. I yeah. feel it. Yeah. That'll so be we talked for one. about 45 to an hour or so, usually beforehand. and But, you know, it's, it's. It, I mean, if you know me, you know that I like talking about the same Alec thing has over more, and over yeah, he's got and more over to say. and over again. We know that. It's like that more a, to say. something about being a teacher, you know, you just, yeah. you don't care that you're saying the same thing. I don't want to eat the <laughs> same... Uh meal two nights in a row, but I'm perfectly happy talking to you about the same thing that I talked to you about last night for half an hour so um, but yeah, so we've uh these deep dives, really, the intention is uh that we would dive a bit deeper at the topic. So we started them off in the credo series when we just felt like man how how are we going to talk about the things that are addressed in the Apostles' Creed in just thirty minutes on a Sunday morning? That just didn't seem. Like we could really do a fair shake of these massive topics, like the Holy Spirit and God the Father and the Son and resurrection of the dead, life everlasting, yeah. you know. So we took those Wednesday Lights nights, and- we unpacked them on a little bit of a panel. So for this series, uh, this uh, uh, this deep dive that we're doing on the post Christian antidote, mm-hmm. really, we're unpacking something pretty big. I mean, we've been spending a lot of time. Uh, a lot of energy thinking and reading about the reality of the fact that our culture seems to be shifting. And I know a lot of uh, the people listening right now are, are aware of that. Um, and we could talk for hours and hours on end on this, right? So uh, last year when David Stockton was in Ireland, he really felt like the Lord gave him a message for the people in Ireland uh, as far as like w- what to do with the reality of being post-Christian. Felt like the Lord was saying some things to him. And, uh, and so that message has been kind of split into three messages uh, over this series. Uh, and he uh, kicked us off with that this Sunday, talking about part of that antidote is that we would come out of hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we just want to spend a little bit more time fleshing out, you know, this conversation on post-Christianity. What does that mean? What are we talking about when we say that? Mm-hmm. And and a little bit on, you know, what does it mean for us to come out of hiding? So. Um, yeah, so let's just kind of kick off with that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about post-Christian. You know, what does it mean in particular? I think last night one of the questions that we kicked off asking was, "Where are we on the post-Christian spectrum um, or, or cycle, however you want to call it?" And and what does that mean for us? Um, so, what do you guys think? Where Where are we on that that spectrum? So last night
2: I jumped in on this um, because we've been having all sorts of conversation, saying what does it mean to be post-Christian? So. Uh, for those of us that have been in America for a, a while, we can sense that the winds are shifting. We can sense that our culture is changing. Uh, so there is uh, there's a, a real a real case to be made that we are post Christian, and a lot of people are op- operating off of that assumption. Um, and I think it just depends on what we mean by post Christian. Because David came back from Ireland and he was like, "Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> this is what post Christian really looks like." They have no context for christian language they have no context for christians it's been generations since they've experienced a real true uh, expression of jesus in their life and 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 that is true i mean there there is a real sense that in america we haven't been going post-christian for very long Um, so you could still remember you know maybe your grandma was following jesus or maybe your mom was following jesus but you're not you know and at the same time we have seen a very quick change in our culture. And we started seeing it around 2010. Um, but since then, we've gone from uh, the 1990s, about 90% of people in America would consider themselves Christian. That's dropped to about 63%. Um, and a lot of that happened, especially at the tail end of the, the 2010s. And going into 2020, any of the post-Christian trends that were kind of going on just got shoved off a cliff. And 2020, we saw a major shift in you know, about uh, 20 to 30%, it depends on the, the, the numbers you're looking at, of people that were very active in church are no longer active anymore. And so for the people that were kind of in the middle or they were lukewarm in their faith, it was just the, it was kind of the excuse to say, you know what, I've been kind of wanting to not do this anyway, you know? Mm. And so we've been seeing this sort of trend going on Um, so I think there's, it's, it just depends on what we mean by post-Christian. And what's so funny is David sent out a text this morning with this, like this, (laughs) this interview that I was going, oh man, that really summarizes it. I don't know if you have any of those, those phrases queued up, but I was going, or things that are fresh in your mind, but I was going, this is a really good example of maybe how do you define Uh post-Christian? You know, I would say, obviously when you look at our government or you look at pop culture. All of that is devoid of Jesus and has been devoid of Jesus for quite a while. Um, And so in that sense, you would go, well, yeah, we don't have a pop culture vernacular that includes anything Christian, you know, Mm. Um, but I think in terms of that spectrum, I don't know if it's like zero to a hundred, maybe we're at like 60 or something. Mm. And it's like, okay, we're, we're getting there. The, it, it, our culture is definitely shifting pretty quick. So mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a complex question. Um, I, one of the things in in that gotquestions.com, which is funny title but actually really nailed the definition of uh, what it means to be in a post-Christian society, they actually say it's very hard to pin down and, and, and it's a hard thing to define because every place is so different. And so I think for us we're in Phoenix, Arizona and Phoenix, Arizona is very different than Portland, Oregon, Mm. very different than East coast, very different than Huntsville, Mm -hmm. Alabama, um, and, and Texas, let alone, you know, for us, we were in Ireland and Ireland is actually, the island is actually two countries. There is Northern Ireland and there is the Republic of Ireland. And we were in the Republic of Ireland and the Republic of Ireland is known for being Catholic. And the Northern Ireland is known for being Protestant. And in this day and age, those are those are actually more like religious or not really they're political um, like frameworks, more so than any kind of religious frameworks. And and they've definitely become, you know, syncretism is that word where they've they've lost what they meant maybe at the beginning and now they mean something so different to society. So we were living in um, Catholic Ireland, which is clearly post-Catholic at this point, um they are they are the Catholic Church is still there in in form with buildings and graveyards and all of those things. The Catholic Church is still operating um, with with priests and and people who show up, um, but it's it's very the amount of people that show up is very small, especially compared to these giant cathedrals. And you know, the time I spent with one of the pastors in the town or the priest in the town, he said that everyone's older than him. They've all, he said, basically like cashed it in. They're just, they feel like they've lost the fight. And so they're just trying to do what little they can to exist. He said, I still believe that we could see renewal. Um, But he said that I'm the youngest priest I know. And there's no one younger than me coming up. There's just no one is is what he was saying. And so in that regard, I mean, he was, he was feeling like they were definitely in a post-Christian society, yet also post-Catholic. And it just made me wonder, um, at what point did Ireland become post-Christian and no one knew because of the form, because of the building, because of the activities, because of all those things, um, kind of like a train that's going down the tracks where at some point if you start stop feeding it coal or stop stoking the engine or giving it fuel... The train's still going really mm-hmm. fast, even though maybe it's over, like there's no more fuel, there's no more coal, there's no more no anything, out, yeah. but the speed continues and yeah. just slows at such a slow pace that you don't know. So that's why the question is so interesting. Where, at, where, where are we at on the spectrum? And uh, from Irish eyes looking at the church in America, um, it the church in America is very alive and well. Mm-hmm and and doesn't just have a form of, uh, of godliness that denies the power, but has a form of godliness and still has some power in it. Whereas the church in Ireland has a form of godliness even still today, but but there's a denial of any power. There's just not, not a lot of meat on those bones. Mm-hmm. Um, but being there was really encouraging to me um, to see that the church in America really does have a lot of spirit left and 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 yet, you know, it's complex because in our little situation here in Phoenix, Arizona, I just know of so many churches that are just thriving in the midst of this post-Christian society. Um, but we the statistics are real. I mean, I'm not trying to say those aren't real, especially East Coast. Mainline is the word you were using last night. Mainline denominations, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Catholic. Um, uh, all of those mainline denominations, they've seen massive reductions in everything. Um, so that's where it's complex. I, I feel like living streams church, we are not very post-Christian, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is yeah. encouraging. Yeah. And yet I think the, for us to stay on a path that remains Christian following Christ, I think it's going to be harder and harder and is getting harder and harder and more costly um in the in the winds that are blowing around us
0: i think just to unpack something too just for a little context uh that you were saying that it's so easy to move past once you finally wrap your mind around it which i think you did obviously spending time in ireland like i don't think a lot of people understand because you don't see it happen here uh where you know that there came a point in ireland where the vast majority of people who were going to church or mass did not believe that God exists Mm. or that Jesus is his son. Mm. Mm. Um, And and the vast majority of people in Ireland would still say, I mean, you can tell me this is true of the Republic or not, but like would still say I'm Catholic, but they do not believe that the Bible is true. They do not believe that God exists. They do not believe that going to church or church or the organization of the Catholic or the Protestant church is a good thing. They see it as a bad thing, you know, and I spent a little time, just a little time in Northern Ireland, but the same, it's a little bit less true there. There's a bit more life in the church there, but also Mm -hmm. like I was at a pub talking with some guys, you know, and they found out we, and they were, you know, chatting and laughing and all this stuff. And they were telling us they're, pro- you know, they were clearly Protestant when they heard my wife's name Gallagher, which is kind of a, an Irish Catholic last name. Mm-hmm. They were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me you guys are Catholic? And we were like, no, no, no. And they were like, okay. And we go on with the night and come to find out, you know, these people don't believe anything in the Bible, mm-hmm. not one bit but yeah. they're still firmly protestant which is just mm. so crazy to, it's just so like what you were hard. saying
2: it's like politics
0: yeah. maybe more than religion yeah. it it has it has yeah. nothing to do with religion mm. for the people in Ireland and yet it's like you're saying it's like how far down the road do you get before you realize wait a minute like everybody's still marking protestant or catholic on their census or whatever yeah. or you know but yeah this yeah. is not it's not it's not
1: yeah, what and we if, think it and is. there it's like if you it, it's it's not unacceptable to believe in god and to want to you know practice his ways it's it's looked at like yeah you you're probably foolish you're a little naive mm-hmm. if you really want if you really still believe the bible to be a good way um but it's not it's not like it's unacceptable it's just you need to do that very privately mm-hmm. and far yeah. away from us and 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 so that that's where it's kind of interesting and that's that's what I think, you know, really the come out of hiding was a big deal cuz even the Christians who I knew were awesome, you know, they really did know the Lord Jesus, they really wanted to follow his way and and were even trying to learn more about his way. Um they just they were doing it in a very sheepish kind of hiding, mm. small, let's not rock the boat type way and uh and so that was, that was a hard thing.
2: Yeah. And I think in America, we have a, a, a weird version of that. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't really maybe make it politics. But I think, you know, when we had, uh, when John Mark was out for the deep dives a couple months ago, when he said what we're seeing in, in the church is the loss of the middle, which I thought was an interesting way of saying, like, he doesn't mean that in the political spectrum. He means that in the, like, maybe where Jesus in Revelation is like, I'd rather you be hot or cold and you're lukewarm. And it's that, that loss of the people that said, Hey, my parents went to church. So I go to church and it's a great social thing. It's a great place to meet friends. I mean, I always joke about when, you know, before I was a Christian, my mom took me to church because she was worried about me. She was like, (laughs) she didn't want me to meet Jesus. She had no idea. She was just like, I just think you're in trouble. You're doing drugs and the church is probably good for you, you know? (laughs) And so there's this semblance of, you know, um, our culture, the way that we look at church. And there is that sort of danger where there are people that can go to church for a long time. And then you ask them kind of basic things. Like, do you believe that Jesus is the only way? And they might go, uh, I don't know. you know. And I think that there's all sorts of reasons why that might have been, but 2020 happened. And all of a sudden, all those people are like, you know what? Church is a lot less fun <laughs> than it was. Mm-hmm. And it's actually costing me something or it's actually causing there to be this tension in my life and I don't really like that and staying at home is a lot easier. And, uh, for a lot of different reasons, I think we're seeing something similar in America. It looks totally different because America is very different and it looks very different from city to city in America. Mm. But, uh, you know, really the landscape across America, there does seem to be some sort of trend that's Mm. hitting every city that's somewhere in that neighborhood of that loss. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it was just, it felt like just a minute ago, where society in general, whether people believed in God or not, um, the, the general zeitgeist of, of American culture was in more or less in harmony with, uh, with the natural outworking, with the morals and the ethics of the Christian worldview. Uh, and what's happened pretty recently is people, society seems to be coming to the logical conclusions of the worldview, that people have been holding for a while, yeah. uh, and that is changing what they see as right and wrong. Because mm. I, I think you know one of the things I was saying last night is it seems to me that there's a lag between worldview and and the way we live. Certainly on belief a societal and level, yeah, mm. exactly. Believe in behavior, so it's like you can believe for quite a while. That there is no God and that we live in a materialist world and there's only material, there's no spiritual, there's nothing that transcends that Mm -hmm. uh, and still continue to be a good person. Um, and you may yeah. even live it, relatively speaking. I mean, obviously yeah. not by the way that the Lord. Well, defines until
2: it. you start confronting, what does the word "good" mean? Yeah, you know? exactly. But then eventually, <laughs> in a secular world. Yeah. At some point, you've got On, to confront. Well, compared to the that? majority
0: of people, you can come out at you know in the 60th percentile of sure, of, yeah, yeah. You know, compared to Lord, we, we we know we all fall pretty far short. Yeah. But you know, you can you can do that, and you can be an atheist whose you know whose behavior is better than a believer. And you can do that for quite a while, but what's happening, if, if that's the situation, is your actions are not in line with your belief as a as a uh, well-behaved atheist. and this mm. believer's actions are not in line with their belief. and there can mm. be a lag there. But eventually, over the course of time, society, you know, when you zoom out kind of on a meta level, eventually behavior matches up with belief. Mm. And so when you believe that we live in a materialist world, You're gonna come to the conclusion that well, might makes right. Like that is Mm -hmm. that. I mean, it's not worth tracing out in this conversation how this leads to that, but this does lead to that. Mm -hmm. You know, or you can believe that you know the inner me. You can you can believe in. uh, We were talking about you know modernism versus postmodernism. David did a good job talking about that last night. Modernism essentially being. And one way you could boil them down is modernism is preferencing the material and and the logical and and, and those trains of thought, and postmodernism is scrapping all that to preference the internal and the subjective. Mm-hmm. um and yeah. and when we do that, it leads to what we're seeing, you know, happen in our society right now yeah. where it's like, my inner world is is reality, and the material world is not. yeah, And the Christian worldview is the only thing that brings those into a realistic, and true tension that says, no, we are actually physical beings and we're spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And so we can learn a lot from, um, from materialism, but there are limits to materialism and there are yeah. things that can only be observed through non-material means. Mm-hmm. And there's truth that can only be, uh, that we can only arrive at from hearing it directly from the source of truth from the person of truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if, if we're in, um, this cycle, and I, I, actually, that's one one other thing I want to articulate too. Is I, I think it's important to recognize that, like, when we say post Christian, it feels like like a one way street. You know, yeah, we're and, just evolving and it never comes back. Yeah, so. and I think that's why people can resist even that phrase because it's like, whoa, we're, we're, I'm not post I'm still yeah. Christian. I'm still following Jesus. Or you
2: know? like we said, it's the danger is it sounds like we're we're doing a podcast about the post-mortem of Christianity yeah. in America, <laughs> yeah. and that's not what it and is. And the truth it's is –
0: It's dead and now we're at the funeral. You know? Post-Christian is <laughs> the word people are using. It's probably not the most precise word, yeah. I, I think, by the way we're <laughs> looking at it, but it is the most useful word because mm. uh, – Because really what we're looking at is is too narrow a scope of history. If we're thinking that this is a one-way street, when we when we zoom out and look at history, even all the way back to the book of Judges, we see a cycle as as people follow the Lord and walk away from the Lord and follow the Lord and walk away from the Lord and follow the Lord and walk away from the Lord. Mm. And in, in America, this is true too. I think there's a, a misconception that America has always been a Christian nation. And I think that came largely from the church as we tried to assert influence over, over America. Yeah. But I was listening to, a I was watching a video essay uh, just yesterday where he was pointing out that, you know, only... Uh, just after the Revolutionary War, only 10% of Americans were regularly attending church. Mm. Um, The reality is is that we live in a society that is the way it is uh, in large part because of the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Mm. Jesus People Movement. We've had three massive revivals in America. Mm. And so preceding each of those was something that looked not too dissimilar from what we're feeling right now is people walking away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's important to recognize that it's it's not that we're oh towards the end of this one way street but we're at a dip yeah. in a cycle and we mm-hmm. might very well be poised to experience a genuine revival like we haven't yeah. seen since since the Jesus people movement. Mm-hmm. So if if that's the case if we're kind of on this downward trend what does that mean uh for us as as a church what does that mean for the church
1: Well I think um I a little bit of what you're you're talking about with the the long the long view right the the historical view adding to today, um, the, the word post-Christian is funny that you couldn't even have said, hmm. you know, more than 2000 years ago, cause there was, hmm. there was no Christ yet at that point. But, um, but post-Christian is in other, and is, is kind of just a kind of safer, more politically acceptable or correct way of saying antichrist. Right. Hmm. And when you put the words "antichrist" together, you get a whole nother connotation. Oprah where people Winfrey. Are like, what are we What are we talking about now? It's Oprah. Right? Um, now, you're, now you're just crazy. <laughs> just, but um, post-Christian, probably an, an academic way of saying antichrist. Yeah. Um, the spirit of
2: the antichrist.
1: Yeah. And the and and the the anti. What is antichrist? It's that which opposes the way of Christ or the the mind of Christ, um, the thoughts of Christ, the ideas of Christ, the culture of Christ, all those things and and John in first John he actually says the spirit of antichrist is already at work in the world mm-hmm. and so John who was an apostle of Jesus um was recognizing that there is there's something post-christian even now that we're running into that Jesus was running into that we as his followers are running into and and that continues to today there's always a spirit of antichrist that is against the things of God and and I think what what the this whole post-Christian antidote, the whole conversation that we're hearing as pastors. And I always wonder how much it's just pastors that care about this mm-hmm. and not normal human people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like even even in all the people that I talk to that have normal jobs, <laughs> mm-hmm. they're they're actually very interested because in, everyone can feel that there's something going on. And so in some ways, not to get too, you know, radical or anything, but It's as if the spirit of antichrist is, is more palpable right now, Mm -hmm. whatever the enemy is trying to do. And I think 2020, when people were really shaken, when there was a lot of uncertainty, it definitely seemed like there was this kind of like war released, like Mm -hmm. this, this new kind of increase of ideologies of, of, of false teaching of, of confusion, of noise, of distraction. That's what I was talking about with the dragon in my message yeah. on, on mm-hmm. Sunday. Just kind of like trying to, this bewildering, disorienting, like onslaught of of ideas and 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 so then for us as the church, you know, it's it's not it's not necessarily that our game plan changes, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the intensity of what we're doing changed. The yeah. the challenge of what we're doing increased. We were watching people get picked off a lot quicklier and easier Mm. even people we thought that were super solid Mm. um and we're going to be able to withstand the winds and the onslaught like that's Mm. what i think all of this is about is we're we're recognizing that that either the culture around us has changed the spiritual fervor of the battle has increased there's something that's going Mm. on and Mm. so i've just been using the word post-christian winds are blowing um in a new way because again it it's a little it's it it's a nice picture, you yeah. know, a little better than the spirit of antichrist is like banging <laughs> on your door or something. Yeah. Um, but I but I think there's something to that and 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 so then you ask what's the role of the church.
0: But can I really quick? Oh, for, go ahead. I, I just to clarify what you're not saying is that these are the end times, it's happening, Jesus is Mm -hmm. probably coming back next week. No. Of of course, we're always bending the tension of always maybe, I I mean, always, always (laughs) maybe, you know, but as we say this, it's like we can look through history and say that the spirit of Antichrist is something that was alive and well in the yeah. first century. It's been alive and well in every yeah, century between now and then. Like which it. is not, which also what I'm not saying is, yeah, like, oh, it's not happening. It's, you know, it's not going to happen for I another said this thousand maybe, years.
2: I can't remember when we were do, talking about this, like podcast, but I think it's like when you look at Adolf Hitler, it yeah. was pretty logical to go, maybe Just he's the this. <laughs> this, it's gotta, this has got to be the dude, you know. Uh, so there is that sort of, you know. Yeah. But at, at the same time, I don't think it should make the church get so snarky about yeah. it that we forget that the Lord can come back
0: like a thief yeah. in the night knife, knife yeah. at any point. There's antichrist and there's at the any antichrist. Point. And just because yes, we yeah. say antichrist doesn't mean we're saying. Well, the and the, and it the church's could, role, but it
1: could. the church's role in that, you know, when we talked about the man of lawlessness is the mm-hmm. other name for the actual antichrist. And that comes from second Thessalonians two, and there Paul's saying I don't want you to be ignorant of the, about this man of lawlessness and what's what's happening right now and he basically says you know that that which hinders the man of lawlessness is already here today and at mm. some point that which hinders him will be removed and then he will have his full way mm. and so you're, you're like no Paul we don't get exactly what you're saying <laughs> could you spell it out a little more yeah but that's we just have those few kind of allusions to there's something in the world today that is actually holding back. It's hindering, it's blocking the man of lawlessness, the spirit of antichrist Mm -hmm. from having its full way in the world. And I mean, safe to say, we know that the opposite of the spirit of antichrist is the spirit of Christ. So the spirit of Christ in the world today is actually holding back, is hindering the man of lawlessness from having his way. The spirit of Christ is dwelling within the people of Christ, which is Mm -hmm. the church yeah that's why the that alone is why the church is the single most dominant force for good mm-hmm. the world has ever seen, Not to mention all the good it creates. yeah, the fact that it holds back mm-hmm. the full um weight and the full onslaught of evil of the man of lawlessness of the spirit of antichrist is is a huge deal. And right mm-hmm. now, I would say for the people in the church in America and other places, but for our context, the people of the church here, it's as if we feel like our job got a lot harder. Mm. It's almost like the enemy has you know, massed forces and, are, and is now banging on the gates. And so that's yeah. why for us, we're like, hey, we gotta build these fences up. We gotta mm. to come up with clearer boundary markers. Where, what are we fighting for? What are we not fighting for? Yeah. Where do we need to engage the fight? So that's why the, it feels like these post-Christian winds are so much more intense. And so then for us it's it's just the same job. Yeah. yeah. We got we got to we got to do our part to hinder, to mm-hmm. block, to provide a space on earth where the kingdom of heaven still can be felt and experienced. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what yeah. every church is basically. Yeah.
2: And I think that for us in this season and we we've been talking about this for a little while, you know, when Jesus said you could see, you know, what's going on in the sky mm-hmm. and and you could tell rain's coming. But you're not discerning the times that you're in. And uh this is a season of real discernment where we really have to discern, okay, what do we what do we engage, what do we not engage, how do we do this, you know? But what David's saying is the the key is for us to remember our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's a spiritual battle. And I think for a long time in America, you know, I did missions work and traveled all over the place. And and one time I was in India and I just thought, gosh, if the enemy showed his face like he does here in America, we would be so much more passionate. I mean, yeah. you would see the 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 believers wow. going, I could see the spiritual warfare every day, you know, and what tipped, and I think we all feel it like something changed in America. We all felt it. It's not just in America, the entire world, really something yeah. shifted. And we're all trying to put our finger on exactly what it is. But outside of a spiritual explanation there's really no other explanation other Mm -hmm. than something spiritually happened. The good news is, is the enemy is tipping his hand. And a lot of us in America that have seen maybe where the enemy would hide and just, you know, his best deception was telling people that he didn't exist, which I really firmly believe was a big part of how America would just be so sleepy in our spirituality. Mm -hmm. Now, as the enemy is starting to tip his hand a lot more, people are waking up and they're Mm -hmm. going, wow, this doesn't seem normal, you know? And I said this, I can't remember when I said this, but it was like, you know, a lot of times we're looking at the news or something and we go, that's crazy. You know, that's crazy. They're like, it's legal to steal a thousand dollars in California. That's crazy. And this thing, wow, that's crazy. How is that? Transgender ideology, all these things, we keep using the word crazy. And I woke up to it last month and I was going, it's not crazy. It's evil. It's, Mm. it doesn't make any sense. It's not, it's no, it's no longer you know, grounded in materialistic things, things that we're really used to seeing in America. It's not grounded in that anymore. It's grounded in something that we say is crazy and it is, Mm -hmm. but it's actually evil. It's actually the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy in America. And he's just tipping his hand. And now we're all seeing it. And I do think that the church, we need to engage with it more. We need to come out of hiding. We need to not go into hiding. And a lot of times in America um, we are used to not hiding, which is good. But then this thing starts coming up, you know, last, last year, all of a sudden we had said something about abortion and on social media, put a warning on it. And I, I it was the first time that I thought, wow, there's actually a price to pay for saying something that's true. Mm-hmm. And that's never really been the case in America, you know? And so as we're engaging in this, I think it's like we, some of us need to come out of hiding. And some of us just really need to steel ourselves to not go into hiding. And yeah. I think that's what we're really up against in a lot of ways yeah. in the church.
0: But it's interesting you're talking about, you know, it feeling like crazy. And it, it, what was occurring even when David was talking is like, I mean, that's that's John 1, right? Like in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was God, and the word was with God, right? Like that logos, that logic, that reason, like John's using a wordplay, a very packed word there when he says that. Uh, and he's obviously calling us back to Genesis 1, but he's calling us to Greek culture, which is, spends a lot of time talking about logos, about logic yeah. and reason. And, and it's like, mm. you know, it's, there's a, there's a equivalent correlation between what is crazy and, and what is evil. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, which isn't to say, Oh, because someone's got, I'm, what I'm not saying is someone who has mental health problems is evil. That's not, sure, that's totally. not what I'm, yeah what I'm saying, Nor am is I saying that <laughs> when it's out of alignment with reality, Yeah. It's out of alignment with God, with mm. his logos, with the word of God, with Jesus, with his character. Yeah. It's out of alignment with truth. Mm. That's brokenness, that's sinfulness. And you're certainly at the very least on a slope to evil, if not you know, by some definition you've crossed into evil. Yeah. And Jesus is the logos. He's the logic. He's the reason. He's the order uh, mm. that spoke all that is into being. Mm. Um, and he's also a person yeah. who is incarnate. You know, and so that logic, that reason, that structure of the universe is knowable, not just intellectually, but personally. Yeah. And so, you know, the and goal in f- an
2: ev- evil culture, yeah, that is an affront
0: to them. And so, they're, if it's logical, if it's yes, true, they're yes. going,
2: I just innately feel those are fighting un- words. And yeah, those are trigger words. Yeah, trigger words. It's true. I don't like that word. And that's
0: know? why there's a correlation between belief and behavior. That's why, mm. uh, a, a, a wrong worldview leads to destructive behavior. Yeah. and why a right worldview leads to, you know, beautiful behavior and beautiful society, because a right worldview, mm-hmm. Is Jesus? Mm. It's relationship with Jesus. It's trust in Jesus. It's lining up with the Logos that God created in the world. That affects everything from the way we do math Mm. uh, to the to the Mm. way we treat each other. I was talking with the math teacher last night. The woman who approached us afterwards, you know, uh, and she was telling me, yeah, like the like even in math, what I was learning in school was like let the kids. Come up with their own math. Let them figure it out. Like, don't teach them. <laughs> and and she was like, and and she said, as we're talking about this, I realized the connection. Yeah. You know, like 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 what the worldview of you do you the worldview of you are the the source of truth mm-hmm. has led to literally the degradation of our capacity to figure out that two plus two equals four. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Yes. Well, absolutely. that's the yeah.
1: that's the that's the modern to postmodern to whatever post postmodern or yeah. whatever we are now <laughs> meta modern, and that yeah totally <laughs> yeah there's there's like always been this chafing against um the rule of christ mm-hmm. and in and the way of the scriptures so at one point it was like you know we were having scientific discovery we were we were advancing in all of those things and uh and so it was like, we don't need the scriptures. The scriptures are wrong. We just need science. We just need our own brain. We need reason. And that was, you know, modernity. And and there were a lot of great advances. And um, a lot of people thought the Bible was at odds with those things. But really, the ones advancing most of those things in modernity were actually Bible-believing people. And mm-hmm. and they just were able to see that there wasn't a conflict. Um, and, and, and then that gave way to now what, you know, the postmodern world that I've I guess grown up in and inexperienced where it's, you know, the mind, the reason, you know, we've given that a good chance and we still have all the same problems in society. So there's gotta be something else. Well, it's not the scriptures. The scriptures are the problems. It's it's we need to get more in touch with our own hearts. And yeah. that's where I was joking about cold players, just like <laughs> the greatest, you know, purveyors of the postmodern mindset. One of their lines, um, actually in a song called The Scientist, which is funny, it says um, science and progress do not speak as loud as my heart, mm-hmm. and when he sings it so beautifully, you're like, it's got to be true. You know, it just can't. It sounds so beautiful. Yeah. Um, but that's the cry of of our generation, my generation, mm-hmm. is is it is it can't just be cold science that gets mm. us there. There's got to be something else, and yeah. so luckily, I think we've already come to the end of of that realization that if we just go with our gut, we go with our heart, if everyone just does what is right in their own eyes, um, then we get into a real messed up place in society. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's more messed up than it has been in modernity, but it definitely seems like it with the suicide, mental health, all of that type (laughs) of stuff. Yeah. Um, And so again, it's just this, you know, what we really need is we need something outside of ourselves but like we, our mental capacity is always going to leave us fall sh- short. O- we're always mm. susceptible to deception. You know, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked is what the Bible says. So if we trust in our, in our own personal feelings, and all of those things we will end up in really strange places. And, and though they might sound good or might be celebrated for a little while, eventually they, we have to eat the poison that they are. Mm. Yeah. And sad to say we're as pastors, we, we get to, we get to we get to warn people before they go and then we get to welcome people back after they've been burned yeah. and and it's and it's cool that that Christ gives us the warnings in the front but he also gives us the mercy in the back yeah. um and that's that's the beauty of it all mm. and and we as the church need to do both yeah we need to be a place that gives truth and warning about things but we also need to give you know the healing and the comfort mm. when someone's ready to come home yeah and uh and so with all of that, there's just this, there's always a need for something outside of ourselves. And that's why I'm so thankful for the scriptures. Yeah. Mm. I'm so thankful that God saw fit to give us this gift, which, you know, most people for most time haven't had any access to, um, but be, thanks to printing presses and things <laughs> yeah. like that, we have this access to something that's withstood the test of time yeah. that, that cuts through the mental and emotional aspects of our life and just kind of lays things bare. Mm. And uh, I'm just, I mean, I'm so grateful. 2020 it was so grateful to not only have the scriptures, but the spirit of Christ yes. to help us with that and the community of Christ to help with that. Yeah. But uh, mm. but it's, yeah, it's proving itself to be beautiful and yeah. true and yeah. good, good all over again um, for those who can humble themselves and yeah. receive well,
2: it. And we, we talked a little bit last night, went on a bit of a rabbit trail, but I do think it's important uh, to to ask the question. Well, if you're looking for something outside of us, and it's not God, what is it? You know, yeah. and AI. You mentioned mm. AI last night, which is interesting. You know, and for a lot of people who aren't familiar with AI, that might feel like, oh, come on, you know. Yeah. But I was reading a news article recently. This guy Yuval Harari, who I, I've actually quoted before, <laughs> he was saying, you know, what we really need is we really need AI to rewrite the Bible uh, with our kind of modern sort of way of thinking, or contemporary way of thinking would be maybe more accurate word for it and there and there was all these people going yeah ai should just rewrite the bible you know and there is this weird when you Mm. when you get on chat gpt you do kind of feel like you're talking to someone (laughs) there's a weird like if you're mean and you're like hey i didn't want that chat gpt could come back and say oh i'm so sorry i didn't mean to offend you there's some
1: emotional iq there's some yeah
2: and it feels weird I think in another, we didn't say this last night, but I thought about it later. You know, a lot of times people look at the government too and Mm going, hey, maybe politics can save us. Maybe this, yeah, maybe the state can save us. So that means the right candidate means the right life for us. But politics is always upstream from culture. And Mm. the church has always been called to affect things downstream, like, or upstream, like we're, we're, we're called, I'm mixing those up, right? Downstream from culture is politics. Yeah the church is upstream from we're tracking. from culture there it is yep <laughs> um but it, we affect culture eventually if there are more christians that efec- eventually affects politics and you mm-hmm. wouldn't boil it down to republican or democrat it would just mean that there's morality that there's a general sense of like mm-hmm. hey most of us in this country uh are, understand truth and understand the word of god you know all of that and for the church i think it's like we we're looking at trying to control this thing over here in government and going, how can we affect that? And, and that's good. Some, some people are called to that. No problem. Go affect that. But really when you, when you take a step back and you go, gosh, if we build the church, you know, and when Paul's like, Hey, you're hungry for the manifestations of the spirit. And I think there's so many different ways you could say, if you're hungry for the things of the Lord, build the church. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing like, if you don't know what to do, if you're confused in these times, build the church. You know, yeah, yeah. if you don't know where to pour your energy in, just build the church. Yeah. Like and that that creates that foundation that eventually affects culture, you know. Yeah. Um, but if we're going into hiding, if we're if we're afraid, if we're letting the winds kick up and stir up a fear in us so that we go into hiding or we stay in hiding, then we won't really see the kind of f- the the fruit of being proactive in building the thing that can actually change a culture. Yeah, mm.
0: That's a, that's a perfect segue And the turn of the page a little bit, right? The, uh, we spent a good chunk talking about post-Christian and we did the same last night, you know, uh, but the series is the post-Christian antidote, right? Yes. So now that we spent some time talking about the problem, uh, one piece of the antidote that, uh, that David is, is bringing to us that he talked about on Sunday was, you know, that, that, that we need to come out of hiding. Um, and so the, I think the question I have for us, uh, right here is, uh, in in what ways are we in hiding what does it mean that we're in hiding
1: well for me the an easy example was um, again back to ireland and we we were you know connected in this little town called tipperary we lived in the glen of arlo which was just over the hill from tipperary mm. and it is all like it sounds <laughs> arlo is the perfect name for it mm. um and and in this town there was a little church called tipperary christian fellowship and we connected with them and they were doing some Sundays and Wednesday stuff. And there was about, you know, five, um, adult ladies, <laughs> call them adult ladies. They were advanced, advanced in, in adultness <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, we would get together. And at the same time, we felt definitely that we were trying to meet some new people, some, some people outside the church, outside of our family, because we were having plenty of family time at this point. Um, and so we decided we would go take pizza to the park and just eat eat dinner as a family at the park. And we had a dog with us. Um, and and partly we were doing that to see if maybe there would be some other people that would be at the park. Um, and sure enough, very first night we were there, um, all these kids from the neighborhood came over and started wanting to see the dog. And next thing you know, they're making bracelets with Brittany and the girls and I'm playing soccer with the uh, with the kids or some hurling sometimes Mm -hmm. um and and so we just started doing this every week and it was really kind of this magical god thing that um the weather would always break whenever it was time for us to go do this so it'd be raining and then all of a sudden there would just be this break in the weather when we were going to the park it was really kind of cool and uh, we just started building this relationship with the kids and after over time we we came back to The church on one of the Wednesday nights, I remember we sat down, we were like, hey, we're super excited because we now know these kids. We've been hanging out with them week after week after week. Um, And, you know, we're thinking about maybe doing something at the church that we can invite them to. And I remember one lady in particular just looked horrified. She just basically looked like you have ruined us. You know, you you have brought great shame to our family or something. And basically, what she was saying was just she was so concerned about the blowback that's going to happen because we were some people and we were we were interacting with children, um, and so that was going to you know wreak all of the anger of all the the, the Catholic Church's atrocities with children. You know, we're now going to come on our heads that the fact that we were being you know, evangelistic, we were going outside, we were coming out of hiding mm. was just going to, we're going to, you know, cost them their relationships, people in the community are going to start talking. They're going to start, you know, saying bad things about us. And she's part of the church. And, and again, mm. obviously she had way more of a web to, to worry about than we did. We had sure. no connections, no family history there. Yeah. Um, and yet it was interesting because you, you was so clear to see that. Um, that basically she had the mindset of just, we should just be quiet mm. and stay low and don't bother anybody. Right now is the time for us to just batten down the hatches. And and the pastor there, he, he looked at us and he said, this is awesome. Go with all, like be bold, be mm. courageous, keep going. I'm mm. so excited. I'll take care of everything else. And sure enough, he got calls. People were calling him saying, hey, who are these people, these Americans that are over here? Mm. What are they doing with our children? And mm. he did, he got those calls and he had to navigate those things. And uh, and over time, it was cool because we did invite them in. And then this one lady who was basically caring for like 10 of these rough neighborhood kids, she would bring them every Wednesday for the whole time we were there. And mm. and they just actually did a VBS. This church that's never had kids in there just did a VBS and those kids yeah. were there. I love it. So yeah. it was like so awesome. But that that was... That's where that came. It was just an extreme example of hiding, of of being ashamed of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And again, not to put any shade on this lady, she was an awesome follower of Christ and mm-hmm. one, like one of our favorites there. But there was this feeling yeah, like that this was not right mm-hmm. for us to be doing, mm-hmm. and I just knew that was not the way of the Lord. Yeah. Where do you guys
0: think that comes from?
2: I think it's interesting because... Um, you know, as we were talking last night, I thought about how to, how are people hiding? And there's something very individualistic about that. You know, and I don't mean that negatively. It's, it's true. I think everybody has a different version of that, depending on where they work, depending on their family history or whatever. Uh, we, we all know what our line is personally. Like, I think I'm hiding. I think I'm a little ashamed mm. of this thing. I think I'm not really sharing the gospel. Um, but the question is, is why, you know? And I think, the 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 two major things that came to my mind last night was, um, you're addicted to comfort, and so maybe you're looking at your life going, I don't want to be discomfort, I don't want to be uncomfortable, I would like to be comfortable, and so preaching the gospel moves me into this place where all of a sudden I'm very uncomfortable. And I think that that's for a lot of people in America, obviously comfort is a big deal. We like to be comfort. We like to, you know, comfortable. We like to watch Netflix. We like to, you know, sit and scroll on our phone. And so sometimes it's distraction. Sometimes it's comfort, you know. But then I think in a lot of ways too, if we take a step back, it might actually be rooted in a lack of faith. Mm. And I think when we take a step back and if we really truly say, hey, if I believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father, if I believe that Jesus is the only way for freedom in somebody's life, if I believe that Jesus and I've experienced <clears throat> the life of Christ, that's really changed my life. And I've experienced the Holy Spirit in me. If you've experienced, if you believe it, then it's going to be a lot harder for you not to a- act on it. Mm-hmm. Because if you are feeling that, if you're, you're reinforcing it every morning by reading the word, if you're coming to church, if you're. In tighter community, if you have a, a habit of worship, all of these things mm. start to build in you this strength that when that wind comes and says, "Hey, just put your head down," you go, "I, I can't. Mm-hmm. How could I?" You know,
1: like the fire in your bones. Yeah. yeah, and
2: I think we've talked about this. Like the fruit of somebody really, really with an authentic relationship with Jesus, um, somebody who's really pushing back against the entropy of the world and saying, "I really want to see God moving in my life." Uh, the fruit of that is going to be this inner strength that when persecution comes, we'll kind of feel like we are meant for that. Like we're built for that. The church has always been built for that. Mm-hmm. And when those winds come, instead of it putting out our fire, it makes it more, you know, makes it blaze stronger. Yeah. And for a lot of us, we're, we're kind of sitting going, the minute that persecution comes, I'm in, I'm yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready to go. I know it's not hard. I'm not praying for persecution to come. But I think that that's that sort of inner strength, that inner faith. You're, you've built that in yourself, and it will come out when you need yeah. it. Yeah.
0: We'll finish with one last question, David. Maybe you can start with this. Uh, where's where's the hope in all this? We're talking about a bit of the antidote, talking about the problem real real clearly. Um, but where's, where's the hope that you see?
1: The hope, um, well, I mean, the hope for me definitely comes from the baptisms on Sunday that we had. Yeah. With those 12 um, people who who were getting baptized uh, making a public display of a private thing that was happening in their lives yeah. definitely a coming out of hiding moment for them um, that was that's just so encouraging to see and it just seems like it's such a like a shout of defiance to all of the the things we're hearing or all of what we're being told about Christianity and mm-hmm. how it's so dying it's so dead it's even it's so white it's so it's so oppressive it's so male yeah. and that you know like there in the baptisms was a lot of non-white non-male um mm-hmm. people getting baptized and their stories and their stories were not i mean their stories were not even things that we like they weren't saying things we've said mm-hmm. they were telling stories that honestly had very little to do with living streams per se but literally it was Jesus meeting them Mm, and leading them and guiding them. And, and by God's grace, they found this was a place that continued to help them on that way and not Mm -hmm. cause more harm than good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hallelujah. Um, but like, so that's one thing. Then, you know, at the men's retreat, we were just at, there was, there was this long line of people waiting for prayer. Ryan was introducing this, um, idea of prophetic prayer, like, Hey, prayer where we're going to listen to the Lord together. We're going to kind of speak to the, to you about what we think maybe the Lord's saying mm-hmm. to you in this point of your life. And so he, he introduced that to people and said, if you'd like that, come. And there was a line that was so long that Ryan had to leave, you know, he didn't even get to see the end of it because he had to go preach the message that night. Um, we, Ryan didn't get to eat because mm. the line was so long and and we just went right through dinner. And I I came in, you know, pretty quickly after they started praying, just because I was like, What's going on? I want to see what was going on. And now I've thought <laughs> wow, there is an issue here. So I jumped in. Some a bunch of people jumped in and we were praying there basically for five hours, mm. a little over five hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of those guys were in line for up to four hours. Yeah. Mm. And especially those last few, I just I was so moved. That they would linger that long, and and yeah. ba- and basically, so people pray for a revival. What does revival look like? Well, I don't know, but maybe people waiting in line long as long for prayer as they do for a Disneyland ride. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like that would be a good indicator yeah. of revival happening. Yeah. So yeah. that was really cool to see. Um, there's just a number of those things right here. Um, I mean, the the truth that the gospel has been there, done that. We're not the first ones to face challenges or. Yeah or anything. And the church is, has always overcome. The church has always continued. The Lord has always had a remnant. Um, and the promises of God are sure and clear. And, and Jesus is, is going to present his bride spotless before the throne. And so all, all of these, I mean, there's, there's, ho- I've, have, I've, have a lot of hope, mm. but I also know there's work to do right now. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, what do you think? I Ryan? think that, uh, yeah, I think for me, I, uh, you know, for me, there's a couple of things. I I think um, when you look at, you know, we're looking at all these stats, right? And we go, oh, man, things are not looking good. And you see a big drop. It's, you know, 90% that say they were Christian. Now it's a 60%. You go, yikes, you know. But an interesting thing has started to happen. And the young generation is starting to come to Jesus. Um, and I just saw a stat that there has been just in the last year and a half, a a 20% increase in Gen Z saying that they identify as a Christian, which I use that word kind of like yeah. our culture uses it. and I'd uh, But really, they're they're really saying, I'm a Christian now. Mm-hmm. And over 50% of Gen Z says the Bible or Jesus has had a positive impact in their life. Mm-hmm. And so you look at, you know, you've got the... There's all these sort of, you could, you could blame all these generations. You've got the boomers, they're called the me generation. You've got the cynical Gen X generation. You've got the, I don't know, I'm a millennial. Maybe we're the incompetent generation or something like that, you know, and it's giving way to this Gen Z generation. And not that all those generations are lost, but the Lord has done something through some very imperfect people and through some very imperfect seasons. And it seems like there's this resurgence and we're seeing it at Living Streams, a lot of Mm -hmm. young people going look, I've plumbed the depths of Instagram and I've plumbed the depths of gender ideology and all these things, and it doesn't fulfill. Mm-hmm. And I'm hungry for something I can like grab a hold of. I'm hungry for something that's real. And there is this resurgence of the next generation um, coming to know Jesus. And yep. I think for me, our job has never been let's protect church and the way that we do it, or let's protect, um, you know, the political side of Christianity. That's never it. The, mm-hmm. the goal is until Jesus comes back, you know? So, and you know, if, if maybe he comes back this year unless he he yeah, and then we're going to just keep plugging along. But the, the real goal is that my kids pick up a church that's really healthy. Mm-hmm. They They pick up a healthy church and a real relationship with Jesus and a real, um, deeply rooted life in the holy spirit. Mm. That is the key. And then can their kids pick it up. And then the, yeah. can their kids pick it up. You know, again until mm. the lord comes back, that's our job. And I think that the church is waking up. Mm-hmm. I think there's a refining of the church that we went yeah. through and so you could go, "Oh man, bummer, all these people left the church." But I think what we're left with are the hottest embers of the fire, yeah. you know. I think what we're what, what we're being left with is maybe the cultural Christians have said this is not for me. Mm-hmm. But the people that are left are, like Jesus said in Revelation, they're either hot or they're cold. They're coming yeah. in, going, I don't know anything about Jesus, and we've been seeing that we yeah. preach the gospel, and we might even do it very imperfectly for thirty seconds. Yeah, and a guy, I mean, this happened to me last month. I said a very quick sort of, you know, thing. This guy came up and he's like, "You're speaking to me," and I was going, I was just kind of checking the box in my head, going, yeah. "I got to make sure I got to say something about the gospel." So, it's it, what a great, what a great fruit of. It's not, it's not from, you know, we, we perform really well on stage. It's not based on this sort of like, I I said all the right things in the most articulate way. There's hot people in the room that want to know Jesus. There's cold people in the room that are, are done with following the world. And there's this great, like the, the, the stage is set for a revival that doesn't make anybody famous, that may not fill stadiums but it's changing people's lives every Sunday morning. Mm. And I think that that's beautiful. That feels like what the Lord is doing. So I think, and I think as the enemy tips his hand stronger, I think for a lot of us that are following Jesus, it just reinforces even more what we need to do. And we have to build the church. And just like anything else the enemy does, the Lord is an expert at taking what is meant for evil and turning Mm -hmm. it into good. Yeah. And if we see that, we see his story playing out. We see his purposes playing out. And no matter what the enemy does, we know the Lord, uh, the Lord's purposes will not be stopped. And I think as Christians, then we just have to say, okay, well, how do I lean into lean into you know uh, into Jesus? How do I make sure I'm discerning the times that we're in? How do I keep going to church and keep getting, being strengthened for the time that's mm-hmm. up ahead? Um, but all of that you know, is leading us toward how to, how can I get behind what the Lord is doing right now? Yeah. How can I partner with what the Lord is doing? Yeah. And there is nothing more exciting than that. Yeah. You know, for any of us who are doing ministry, the, the exciting moment for us was, Lord, what are you doing? How can I partner with it? And then you see something happen and you go, wow, that person got saved because the Holy Spirit said, go tell them this random thing. And then you just do it. Mm-hmm. You just obey. And you're just like, okay, Lord, what are you saying right now? And so I think that there is so much, so much, so many reasons to hope. And I think the, the partnering with the Lord is so much easier than we think it is. It really is just a daily thing. And if we could lean into that, if we can encourage one another, spur one another on toward that, then we have really great days ahead in the church.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I see so much hope. Um, which is so interesting, right? Because as things, it, it's so easy to kind of spiral and get anxious and freak out and see, oh, everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I've been hearing pretty much my whole life people in the church saying, oh, revival, revival, revival's coming, like it's around the corner. It's and most of my life, you know, because I want revival too. You know, I've I've nodded and said my amens and yeah to that, but but really mm-hmm. haven't seen that. You yeah. know, and like, and haven't really You're like actually oh. believed that it's around the corner that it's coming. But it's been like, mm. but I'm going to pray for it, and maybe some bad theology worked in there of like, you know, if yeah. we believe it hard enough, it'll happen, or yes. whatever. Yeah. Um. But this is perhaps the first time in my life where I genuinely feel like we're looking at the possibility of the biggest revival in my lifetime. Mm. Um. Yeah. And in a significant way, it's and I see that in so many ways. I see, you know, it's like the more ineffective the ideologies that people are getting trapped in mm. are um, the more likely they're gonna come to the end of that and say I, oh that didn't work. what about yeah. Jesus? you know yes. And I see the things that are coming out that are coming to fruition in our culture mm. and they're very non-functional. like yeah. they you know, workism, The the belief that like, oh, I just got to devote myself to working my whole life to, you know, go to – I do well in high school so I can get to a good college, so I can get a good career, so I can get Mm -hmm. a job, job, job and pension, you know, and retire Mm -hmm. and then life will be great when I'm 80, you know – it takes until you're 80 to realize what a lie that is. Yes, you yeah, know, and totally. and it's not until you retire and f- don't like retiring, you know, and mm-hmm. and realize that you you sacrificed your family for that, that yeah. you realize you've been lied to. Yeah. The stuff people are getting caught into right now, man, you can come to the end of that a lot quicker. <laughs> it's true, and it's true. It's a potent poison. Yeah, and, and it and it will run out quick. And it's scary because yep. we see that it's dangerous, mm. but uh, and more dangerous than workism, right? Because at sure. least in workism, you're contributing and and you're paying the bills. And whatever you know, mm. um, but but in some ways, it's it brings a lot of hope because it contrasts with the light and the truths so much more clearly. Another mm. thing that's brought me a lot of hope, you know, I, I've been thinking for gosh like a year now on the similarities between the Jesus movement and particularly, uh, especially, I should say, in San Francisco mm. and where we're at right now, and how some of those ideas, you know, because that was in parallel with the hippie movement, right? And yeah. then the movie. Um, Jesus Revolution came out recently, and I, I watched a it a couple movie. weeks. Yeah, it yeah. really is great. I actually really enjoyed it. It was, it was and like actually good, like actually not just like good, oh, yeah. we're Christians so we and have you to say I the are Christian movies to go. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Um, but I so I'm watching that movie, and there's that scene where Lonnie is speaking to Chuck about the hippies, and he's saying like, "Hey, these these kids, they're looking for for love, and they're looking for peace. Mm. You know, they're looking for the right things in the wrong ways. Mm. That's great." Yeah. You know, and and that was a you know you could, in the movie moment in the movie they're portraying it as a as a, a a moment when it clicks for Chuck and it's like, for me I look at what's happening in our culture right, mm-hmm. and we have young people as well as old, but especially young people who are desperately looking for for love, for equality, yeah. uh, for identity. Yeah. You know, they 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 want these things that are good and right and holy things, and they're looking in the wrong places. Yes. And, and and those wrong places are gonna show themselves to be the wrong places, yeah. you know? And so I find great hope in saying, yeah. can we as the church, start highlighting the justice they're looking for, the mm. love they're looking for, the equality they're looking for, the identity that they're desperate for. Yeah. Can we, I mean, we have that. The, the mm. only place to find those things in any real way is in Jesus. Yes, and so if 100%. we can begin to go to those people who are desperate for those things mm. and to say, look, these things are found in Jesus and nowhere else, Yes. Uh, at least the real version of them, yeah, I yeah. think we're looking at a massive revival and I'm excited. Mm. It. And just like the hippie movement had Jesus people come into the the lord who mm. had addiction that they were dealing with we're going to have people who are coming out of gender ideology or far-right extremism who are going to yeah. have their baggage that they're going to bring in maybe physical scars mm. but no no amount of of damage that you do to your body or to the mm. world to your family to the your your social interactions or to your mind yeah. none of those things are beyond the long reach of the redemptive arms of jesus
2: yeah and it comes back to the hope that jesus gave us and it's both hope and a challenge yeah when he said, you know, the the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Yeah. And I think one of the things I'm really hungry to see in this next season and um and I think it's one of the things that's not been um it's not yielded a ton of fruit. But when we look at you know, telling people about Jesus as the responsibility of only a few professional pastors, mm-hmm. we've really missed it. Yeah. And in some ways those of us that are pastors we've we've played into a little bit of that, you know. But I think the Lord is undoing that and he's mm-hmm. he's going, look, ministry's for everybody. At some point you mature to the point where you have to have ministry doesn't mean that you're filling a stadium, doesn't mean that you're, you know, preaching on Sunday. It means you might have one or two people that you tell about Jesus and maybe you disciple them for the next 10 or 15 years. What a beautiful thing. And if we all do that, All of that added together. That's why I said I think this revival is going to look a lot less like stadiums full of people Mm -hmm. and a lot more people activated in ministry. And that gives me a ton of hope. I think that's where we're Mm -hmm. poised. I think that's where the Lord is moving
0: us. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think that's a great place to land the plane. Uh, Maybe, Ryan, could you pray for us and uh, we'll log off?
2: Yeah. Lord, we thank you. That in the times that we live, they may be frightening for us. And maybe there are times that we're overwhelmed by it. But Lord, we're thankful that you're not overwhelmed right now. Uh, We thank you that you're not worried one bit about uh, what you're doing here on earth. And you have a very clear plan and a very, very clear strategy that you're moving us toward. Uh, So Lord, help us to be a people that partner with you. Help us to be a people, help everyone that's listening to this right now. Uh, to be filled with your spirit, uh, to be dedicated to their time personally with you. And Lord, let that spill out into more fruit in their life. And uh, we pray that you would activate the church, that you would continue to to build and strengthen the church. And we do pray for revival. Lord, we pray that you would revive us, that you would bring more and more people that are hungry to know Jesus, uh, that as these ideologies run out, Lord, I pray that we would be there Uh, to really communicate in a loving way the hope of Jesus and that many, 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 many people give their life to you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thanks so much. Uh, For those of you listening, you know, we'll have two more of these on our uh, Post-Christian Antidote series. Uh, If you want to show up in person, you can be at Living Streams in the Sanctuary on Wednesday nights, just a little bit after seven o'clock. Um, and otherwise, uh, we're looking forward to hanging with you guys. And, uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can always send them to ask at livingstreams.org, especially if they pertain to the next, uh, two upcoming sermons in this series. So thanks so much for being with us and, uh, we'll talk to you later.